today is a review of the recent Business Roundtable Restatement of Corporate Purpose and the need for ethical corporate leadership. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Before we get started, our two points. First, please subscribe to our podcast and give the podcast a five-star rating. Second, the Volkoff Law Group offers strategies and programs to assess, measure, enhance, and improve a company's culture. Companies have to monitor and remediate their corporate cultures when necessary. If interested in a culture assessment and consideration of proactive culture strategies, please contact me at mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Well, I thought we would turn to the Business Roundtable's recent restatement of corporate purpose. And I guess I ask, uh, and not that I'm a cynic, but I'm going to sort of try to take a balanced approach here, but is it a big step, a big leap, or is it a fig leaf? Um, I, uh, I often quote Mark Twain, who said, and this applies, it's curious that physical courage should be so common in the world and more moral courage so rare. And frankly, I have to admit my reaction to the recent uh, business roundtable restatement uh, which was signed by 181 you know, high-ranking CEOs uh, who committed to lead their companies for the benefit of all stakeholders, customers, employees, suppliers, communities, and shareholders. Um, I tend to view the announcement kind of skeptically. Um, it's a positive public relations statement, but it also is a positive in terms of acknowledging that the purpose of a corporation is more than just serving the shareholders' interests, focusing on corporate profits uh, on a quarterly basis. Um, The real test will be if they uh, back this up by commitment. If this is just a way to position corporate interests in a positive spin to address, uh, you know, growing public and consumer concerns in question, questions about corporate uh, conduct and behavior, uh, the statement will just sort of fall into the dust heap of broken promises. But on the other hand, if this statement is backed up by a greater commitment to ethical cultures and compliance, to a refocus on corporate assets and allocation of assets to compliance, ethics, uh, to auditing, internal audit functions, then let's mark the occasion. But as of now, it's just a set of words on a piece of paper, uh, and the proof will be in the future. Um, So really, how are we going to know, though, if the 181 signatories really make some changes? Um, And aside from my initial skepticism, what is the precise meaning of the statement and why was it made? 
Um, for those of us who've been pushing the importance of ethical culture to corporate sustainable growth, there's nothing new here. To those who are concerned that the statement is somehow inconsistent with the fundamental purpose of a corporation, in other words, if you subscribe to the idea that the purpose of a company, like we learned in law school, was to maximize shareholder value and, and, share, and promote the shareholder interests, um, the commitment to sustainable growth satisfies that uh, demand by prioritizing long-term sustainable growth over short-term quarterly results. But corporate leadership can always justify trade-offs here uh, and benefits of long-term value of shareholder interests, but the danger really lies when a company fails to attain the long-term objective. Then shareholders are likely to complain and obviously ready uh, at the beck and call of lawyers to initiate litigation to try to hold corporate leaders accountable. But let's go back to the statement, the Business Roundtable statement, and its quote-unquote modern standard for corporate responsibility. Um, the 181 signatory corporations noted that they, quote, share a fundamental commitment to all of our stakeholders, close quote, and the commitment itself consists of five principles. One, delivering value to our customers, um, meaning we will further the tradition of American companies leading the way in meeting or exceeding customer expectations. Two, investing in our employees, which starts with compensation, providing important benefits. It also includes supporting them through training and education to develop new skills for a rapidly changing world. Um, they also committed to foster diversity and inclusion, dignity and respect. Number three, dealing fairly and ethically with our suppliers. Uh, they state we're dedicated to serving as good partners to the other companies, large and small, that help us meet our missions. The fourth is supporting the communities in which we work. We respect the people in our communities and protect the environment by embracing sustainable practices across our businesses. And five is generating long-term value for shareholders, as I was discussing, who provide the capital that allows companies to invest, grow, and innovate. We are committed to transparency and effective engagement with shareholders. Now, these principles are significant. They reflect a broader corporate mindset. To the optimists, um, if they're carried out, they reflect uh, a laudatory kind of purpose that incorporates all significant stakeholders. To the, to, the pessimist, to the pessimists or cynics, these principles reflect a forced awareness needed to conform to rapidly expanding uh, public and consumer interests uh, towards positive corporate conduct and contributions. So the Business Roundtable uh, release, uh, along with these principles, suggested that companies are being asked to play a great role in promoting political and social change. And we've seen that particularly, let's say, with the firearms, guns issues and regulation. We've seen that in climate change and other areas. Um, some say that this is the result of sort of the political faltering uh, in Washington, D.C. Um, uh, others have, uh, you know, encouraged this type, of be this type of statement because of the threat of an economic turndown 
and in this difficult social climate, um, the risk statement sort of positions businesses to provide a positive contribution to the social dialogue uh, concerning issues of concern. So, look, it's a great statement. Uh, let's just see where it goes. But in the end, I reserve judgment. Uh, I mean, I've heard words. I've I've heard words. I've read words uh, that are encouraging. Uh, but these companies and the signatories have to be held accountable. If their commitment is real, they, we will see change. If this was nothing more than a political ploy for a good press release, the absence of change will become evident in short order. For now, let's keep our fingers crossed and hope for the best. Now, I wanted to turn to corporate boards because if you follow my blog, you know I'm frequently uh, critical and trying to encourage boards to play a more active role in establishing corporate culture uh, and to stop playing such a defensive role in the corporate governance world. Uh, you know, and I guarantee you today, if you asked your corporate board to define ethical culture and compliance and what their responsibilities are in that area on a day-to-day -day basis, they have no clue. And this isn't a controversial statement because corporate board members, for the most part, they cling to their old ways. They love the financial and business strategy aspects of their job. They love to monitor the CEO, and then they just sort of uh, hope uh, that nothing goes wrong with the company. But more and more they're being uh, and should be held accountable for uh, identifying how to implement a program and oversee the implementation of a compliance program in an ethical culture. One other thing I can guarantee you, the mindset will eventually change. It's just a question of when. Um, and as a new set of corporate leaders take the reins, reflecting a new generation of attitudes, we're going to see a broader viewpoint. Uh, as millennials uh, increase their presence in the workforce, and we're up to, uh, in the next five years, it'll probably be around 50% of the workforce, there's absolutely a greater emphasis on uh, corporate purpose, positive behaviors, uh, and more than just simply earning money. And the next generation of business leaders are going to reflect these social concerns, and they're going to embrace the fundamental connection, which, is, which research has shown over and over, between financial performance and employee commitment built on defining a mission, providing everyone with a unified goal. Each employee, whether explicitly or implicitly, needs to define his or her own mission. It gives each of us a purpose, a reason to live and to work. Employees are demanding that of their corporate employers, that the company commits to providing a safe and secure workplace, that a company provides real economic opportunities for improvement, and a unified to commitment to promoting stakeholder interests built on long-term sustainable growth. But of course, financial profitability is an important aspect of this equation, but our employees are demanding greater social consciousness. And corporate leaders can no longer keep their heads in the sand. They have to embrace with even greater commitment the importance of an ethical culture. At the forefront of this effort has to be the company's board and its senior leadership team. If there is any weakness or faltering at this level, it will quickly become apparent as corporate misconduct and quixotic financial performance occurs. 
chief ethics and compliance officers have to step up and bring the issues to the board and counsel them on how to enhance the company's culture and appropriately oversee and monitor the company's culture. Now, people spend a lot of time uh, twisting themselves up into knot as to what corporate culture is, but I like to focus on expectations of how employees conduct themselves by their actions each and every day, by the issues that the board, senior management managers, and employees emphasize, and ultimately by how companies create and protect their values. One half, it's been estimated that one half of a company's value is its intangible assets, and its most important intangible assets is its culture and reputation. Assuming this estimate is accurate, corporate boards need to prioritize management and oversight of these assets. So a fundamental aspect of this responsibility requires corporate boards to define the company's culture, measure, monitor, intervene, and remediate when necessary. In the same way that corporate boards adopt financial strategies designed to maximize revenues and minimize costs, companies have to employ a similar mindset to management of the company's culture. A financial strategy without consideration of corporate culture is going to result in less than optimal performance. So what are some strategies for uh, corporate board strategies for monitoring and promoting a company's ethical culture? Uh, boards all want to believe that their companies are ethical. If you ask them all, they'll say, oh, we've got a great culture. Uh, but if you ask them to go beyond any board member to go beyond that bland statement, how, what is your culture? How do you define it? How do you monitor it? How do you remediate it? And how do you know what is really going on uh, uh, in the company? Uh, and when push comes to shove, the real question is, what actual commitment of time and effort do board members devote to this specific issue? And if they do commit to the effort, do they even know how to define, promote, and measure a company's culture? So initially, board members have to play a role in defining the company's culture. What are your values? What is it that you do? What is it that is your mission behind your operations? We don't just produce widgets. We want to know what are we, where do we fit in in the broader scheme of society and, and the economy. So some may argue that a board should defer to the CEO and senior management to define the company's culture. I think that's short-sighted. Uh, and I think uh, that a board uh, has to be um, exercise its duties here. Look, it's easy to embrace the idea that a positive corporate culture is going to enhance performance. When employees embrace a culture, their performance and productivity improves. In this environment, execution of a corporate strategy will likely be more successful. I know this seems obvious, but all too often, ask yourself, does the board really understand this, and do they act in accordance with these obvious points? So a culture can be defined clearly and with a simple message surrounding the company's purpose, vision, mission, and strategy. If a company prioritizes customer satisfaction, this may require a specific allocation of resources to local sales and service operations to respond to customer needs. 
On the other hand, if the company prioritizes innovation, market capture, the company may have to encourage employee innovation and incentivize such activities. Whatever framework is chosen, the business strategy has to align with the company's purpose and its vision and its mission and overall strategy. Every company adopts a specific focus, a strategy defined through a goal, an innovator, a leader, an exemplary brander, whatever. All of this has to be translated in the company's culture, its employee profile, its allocation of resources, and its day-to-day activities. So companies have to define their values, not just feel-good statements of generalities, but specific and defined behaviors that can be applied and followed each day. Follows, values can change over time, but culture should be stable. Next, corporate boards have to measure and are responsible for ensuring that a company monitors and measures its corporate culture. This is perhaps the area where I see the greatest sort of gap uh, in that uh, companies rely upon HR to do an annual employment survey. They may put in five or six quote-unquote, culture questions, and there they're monitoring and measuring their culture. That's not true. That's not enough. There are numerous ways in which to carry out this responsibility, but uh, there should be metrics that are adopted on a quarterly basis. Something should be done each quarter with respect to the, the company's culture. So it's good to have a comprehensive culture assessment assessment consisting of targeted and tailored surveys. Uh, You also can supplement this with senior communications and conduct and employee reporting. In other words, uh, reviewing those types of things, investigations, performance. Also, there can be focus groups uh, across a section, across section of corporate offices and divisions and positions to gain greater insights. Um, all of these things can combine in that, in that way to uh, provide some important insights as to the culture. Finally, a company's culture has to be communicated and implemented through behaviors. Each person has to be held accountable for communicating the culture and then behaving in accordance with the culture or if accountable for understanding the culture and then behaving in accordance with the culture. We all know that one bad act or event can cause irreparable harm to a company's culture and its livelihood. But companies have to manage and hold accountable its senior leaders, managers, and employees. A global organization has to commit to overcome local culture norms to build a unified culture across and throughout an organization. So the board plays a critical role in this area, particularly for global companies, by defining expected behaviors at the senior management level, requiring communications and conduct that promote the company's culture, and building in compensation and incentives to reflect execution of these requirements. In a more fundamental way, corporate boards have to exercise review of employee misconduct, investigations, training, mid-level managerial requirements for communicating and promoting the employees' cult- the company's culture, uh, and instilling in mid-level management incentives for them to, by performance reviews or bonus qualifications, for them to engage and embrace uh, communicating and promoting the company's culture. Finally, a board itself has to reflect the corporate culture and its priorities, 
uh, and they have to, for example, promote diversity in their own member and its own membership, uh, and uh, gender and racial uh, diversity, and seek uh, reporting and information on a broad range of issues, and engage in culture and ethics concerns. Well, that's a quick uh, roundup of uh, sort of where we are with uh, the business roundtable statement and sort of some expectations as to corporate boards. Um, uh, and I think uh, everybody should sort of take a quick look and uh, redouble their efforts with regard to their corporate board and ask themselves the series of questions that I've mentioned throughout this uh, podcast. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkoff Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. At ethical companies, employees believe in the company, they feel vested, and are more productive. We can help you achieve these benefits through an effective ethics and compliance program. You can learn more about our commitments to this issue at our website, www.bokoflaw.com, our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can always contact me at my email address, kimbokoflaw.com. Let us know how we can help you.